and welcome to the Daily Gator Daily Thought. If you're left, you just ain't right, the Sunday edition. And I'm going to stick mainly to sports today and kind of scatter shoot about some other things. Obviously, uh, big news week. It always seems that famous people uh, go in threes. I, I don't know when that started or, or if it's even holds up if you really examine facts, but. Uh, Possibly the greatest soccer player in history, Pele. I know I was a big fan of the NASL, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, growing up in Florida in the 70s. And the NASL, North American Soccer League, was exciting. It was fun. They had uh, looser looser rules about offsides. They had a 35-yard line. That was the offside line, not not the uh, midfield stripe. And... Uh, the Rowdies were a good team. Rowdies won, I think, three indoor championships and another outdoor championship. And a really good team. But Pele, in 77, started playing for the New York Cosmos, which was one of our big rivals. So I got, them play, got to see him play a few times, including one time uh, live in 1978, I believe. Uh, Might have been twice. But anyway... No, it was just once, once against the Cosmos. The other time we pl- uh, I saw him play was against the Dallas Tornadoes. But anyway, uh, Pele at 82 passed away, uh, possibly the greatest player. Only guy to ever be on a team that won three, three uh, World Cups, 58, 62, and 70 for Brazil. Uh, much admired man. Rest in peace, Pele. Um there was also Barbara Walters, who passed away, who I always, again, product of the times I grew up and Saturday Night Live back when it was really funny. They had Gilda Radner, uh, who was very talented, very funny lady. Uh, she would spoof Barbara, Barbara Walters and Barbara Walters kind of uh, accent or whatever she had going over their voice. And Gilda Radner would, would call herself Barbara Wawa. It was really funny stuff. But Barbara Walters founded The View. And back then, I think you could actually watch The View and not have to wear a hazmat suit because of all the hate. Uh, but she was 93, and rest in peace to her. I'm sure a lot of people out there don't like her, and a lot of people do. So your opinion's your opinion. Someone famous passes away. Uh, I'm typically going to say rest in peace. Uh, We also had uh, uh, the oldest of the folks that passed away, uh, 95 years old, 95. Um, A guy that, uh, well, he was Pope. (laughs) Um, And not many people get to uh, to be Pope. All of them are Catholic, by the way, just so you know. Uh, But it's always a big event, and I've gotten to see that a few times in my life. I forgot what the Pope was that died. Then we got Pope John Paul I. I think that was the first time I ever saw the the proceedings and the white smoke when the Cardinals had elected a new Pope. And uh, that gentleman died shortly after. Then we had Pope John Paul II, uh, one that many, many conservatives admire greatly. Uh, hated communism. Uh, someone did try to kill him. Uh, the killer confessed that it was this, the Soviets that had paid him, which wouldn't surprise me because communists are evil bastards. Always. Every one of them. Uh, he passed away. 
and you know, rest in peace, Expoat Man. Um, and when I first heard the news, I got it confused in my head. The Pope died, and I thought, oh, well, we're going to go through this selection process again. That's it. But no, it was not the current Pope. It was a different Pope, a past Pope who had actually become, I think he became the first one in like 600 years to resign. The Pope's usually, that's like a lifetime position. But we had that happen. And we had some uh, few other things. And one caught my eye this morning. Washington Examiner has a story. Uh, the state of New York has made human composting after death legal. Now, a headline complaint. Even though the New York Post is famous for goofy headlines like uh, headless corpse found in topless bar, things like that. <laughs> but I would assume if a state made human composting legal, it would be after the demise of the person. Otherwise, you're dealing with some mob stuff right there. You're dealing with Jimmy Hoffa and stuff like that. Uh, but the state of New York has made composting after death legal. There are now six states where you can basically bury yourself. Six states since 2019 have legalized human composting after they die. Uh, that is... Uh, uh, a bill signed into law Saturday, which was yesterday by Kathy Hochul, who's uh, uh, obviously the governor of New York, and uh, looks like Cruella from 101 Dalmatians. Always call her Governor Cruella. She is one of the uh, VME, really most vehemently leftist uh, governors out there. She's an evil woman in, in my estimation, but enough about that. The, pr the process is known as natural organic reduction. You're going to be reduced now. That's right. It's good for the environment, of course. Or, as it's more commonly known, human composting. As I would, I, I would just term it, it would be, all right, Uncle Felix is gone. Let's put him in the backyard somewhere and put some roses on top of him. What? Is that insensitive? <laughs> If you had an Uncle Felix that died recently, I'm sorry. Truly, I'm sorry. And uh, good luck with the roses. Uh, it's a process of burial that has a human body put into a container with plants to allow the body to decompose and be part of the nutrient-rich soil. So the soil is winning. Um Person who's being composting, I guess they don't really know what's going on anymore. Uh, the method is seen as a greener way to burial uh, rather than more traditional options such as cremation. Uh, Katrina Spade, who founded a funeral home in Seattle, Washington, which provides human composting services, told the Associated Press the method is impactful for the environment. Um, cremation uses fossil fuels, which we all know are evil. Anybody who's kept warm and cool and had their lives improved because of fossil fuels and air conditioning. That's right. They would rather you suffer and possibly die. Then you could be composted and it, it would be even better, I guess. Uh, but cremation uses fossil fuels and, bury, and burial uses a lot of land. 
and as a carbon footprint. Uh, for a lot of folks, being turned into soil that can be turned that can be turned to grow uh, into a garden or tree is pretty impactful. Well, if that's your choice, God bless you. I'm all for liberty, my friends. The bill has received pushback from some groups, including the New York State Catholic Conference. Uh, theirs would obviously be for religious reasons. They call the bill inappropriate, and I, I'm going to say something here. I don't care who you are. I don't ever want to hear the word inappropriate again because so many things get built up in inappropriate remark, and you're trying to find out what the person said that was so offensive and inappropriate. Yeah, what was? What did they actually say? It was inappropriate. That's all you need to know. It's like inappropriate covers this huge swath of things that someone gets their feelings hurt over or disagrees with. I want to know what they said. I want facts. I'm just saying. I want facts. Um, but the State Catholic Conference called it inappropriate considering the care human remains should be treated with in a letter to Hochul uh, advocating her to veto the legislation. And composting is something we as a society associate with sustainable method of eliminating organic trash. Well, that's no way to talk about Uncle Felix. All right, the organic trash. He wants to take it out, kids. Um, that otherwise ends up in landfills. But human bodies are not household waste. Well, thank you for noticing that. Uh, and we do not believe that the process meets the standard of, of reverent treatment of our earthly remains. We have laws in our states and across the nations prohibiting desecration of a human body, illegal burial of a human body, and other abuses against the human body. Again, that's to me, that's, if you're Catholic, maybe you disagree, but to me, it's your choice. That's your body. That's your choice. Uh, the first state to legalize human composting was, it happened in 2019. That's right. Washington. The Northwest has gone crazy the past few years. Uh, they were followed by Colorado, Oregon, again, Northwest, Vermont, and California, also part of it in the Northwest in the following years. And now New York has done it. And uh, just a little note, news, it doesn't, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. It's your business. That's, that's, has nothing to do with me. Now, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about concussions. Talk a lot about sports today, or a little about sports. <clears throat> and the NFL has and college football have done a lot of things recently to to try to prevent concussions, better equipment, better helmets, uh, out banning certain hits. Where again, I don't like to see it either. Where typically the player, the defensive player, uses their head as a battering ram, and it was pretty common for a while. And they go helmet to helmet. And next thing you know, you got two, maybe one, maybe both of them get a concussion. And that may be severe. The concussions are nothing to play with. But the NFL has, has made rule after rule after rule. Well, Tua, the quarterback for the Dolphins, former Alabama great, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, seems like a really good guy, seems like a great kid. Uh, I don't have any problem with him. 
Well, he received a concussion earlier this year when he, again, he got tackled. And when you go down, when you're tackled, he fell kind of backwards. And that whiplash effect where you, you bash the back of your head against the ground, that's what he did. He got a concussion. He came back and played in that game because he passed what they call concussion protocol. The doctors from the team examined him, said he was fine to play, and he missed some games. And he just recently had the same thing happen. Again, the back of the head off the turf. The problem I have with it is it's not that they're doing everything they can to protect players. Football is a contact sport. It always has been. It always will be. It's a violent sport. You have violent collisions. You have very fast people running very fast, getting hit by other people running very fast. And yes, their heads knock a lot. There's knee injuries, elbow injuries, rib injuries, back injuries, injuries to every part of the body imaginable, including the head. And some of the rules they've made to protect quarterbacks is have gotten ridiculous. Uh, that you one that really bugs me is you can't land on top of the player. In other words, if you sack somebody and you're going forward and you hit the quarterback, wrap him up, take him to the ground, you're probably going to fall on the quarterback. That's just gravity. I don't know that any players of football can cannot adhere to the rules and laws of gravity, but that's a 15-yard penalty. They've gone overboard. We've got to admit at a certain point there's an element of danger, of physical injury, sometimes severe, in the game of football. Do everything you can to have, have rules that keep people safe teach them the safe way to tackle, teach them all that stuff, but injuries are going to happen. And there was all this hubbub over two of the first time he got hurt. And I watched the hit and I see, yeah, it's violent because the back of his head went pretty hard against the turf. It was on a Thursday night game. And then, well, he got banned Thursday night football, whatever good that would do. Like he wouldn't, that same play happening on Sunday wouldn't have, or Monday night wouldn't have ever resulted in the same end. But we've got to have some common sense. And when you're a football player, you sign up to play a dangerous sport. It's part of it is injuries. And I just hate that when society refuses to, I mean, do everything you can to move forward and make improvements. But when you get into asinine territory, in rulemaking because a violent sport might injure someone. Stop. Seriously. Now, while we're on the subject of quarterbacks, uh, Anthony Richardson of the starting quarterback last year for the Gators, uh, he has chosen to forego his remaining eligibility and enter the NFL draft. Richardson is, what, 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds, Incredibly fast. I mean, he broke more than one 80-yard run this year and had more than that over the course of his career at Florida. Uh, great arm, but he needs more time to become more proficient. He's just a kid, and he, he chose to enter the draft. I think it's a big mistake. This is why. Not because I want our stud quarterback to come back. I'd like that, but if he played for a team I hated, I'd say the same thing. Okay, so pretend he's a Notre Dame quarterback or an Oklahoma or Florida State uh, quarterback. He's not good enough 
because this is what the NFL does now. These these stud quarterbacks with all the potential in the world, they get drafted typically by a crappy team, say the Jets, the Browns, the Texans. They get drafted. Uh, then the rush is to get them in and play them. Then when they start playing, they start starting. Guess what? They're going to make mistakes. Part of growing, learning, maturing, becoming better is making mistakes. I don't remember very many NFL quarterbacks who played as rookie that didn't have, I mean, Peyton Manning, one of the greatest of all time, to me, the second greatest of all time. Uh, behind, yeah, Brady guy. But he threw 28 picks as a, as a rookie, but he kept playing. They didn't bench him. They didn't freak out. The Colts kept playing. And look, they won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl with him. The Broncos won and went to the Super Bowl with Manning. He had a great career, even though he didn't have the best rookie year because they were patient and knew this was a special talent. Problem now is they're getting kids. He played four years. He played all four years at Tennessee. Never beat Florida, by the way. And he got into the NFL, threw 28 picks as a, a rookie, but he had a Hall of Fame career, one of the greatest ever. Not everyone has that talent, but the, the ideal is that you gang a rookie and you're going to start him, you're going to let him play good, but you can't bench him after a couple bad games because what, like the Jets do. The Jets are a terrible organization. I don't know who runs the New York Jets, but they're an idiot or a collection of idiots. How many times can you do this with a young quarterback? Bring him in, let him start, makes mistakes. Again, over a couple games because they're a rookie. They're learning. I got to bench him. And then you start him again. Then you bench him again. And you do this also with coaches. They're a terrible team. They suck. They won four games and they won three games. They hire a new coach. New coach brings in new coordinators. New schemes, new offense, new defense, new assistants. Everything's new. And his first year, he pretty much has to play with who the, the previous coach drafted. Then he gets to draft the second year. By the third year, he's had two years to draft. And he doesn't uh, turn the team around like in a, some miraculous fashion. I mean, they won three games. They won four games. And in a couple of years, three years, maybe the coach is gone. Guess what? You got to bring in all these new people again. It's a repeating cycle of stupidity. There's no patience with some of these NFL owners, NFL organizations. Yeah, you can find teams here, teams there that have magical rises, but not often. So if you're going to start a draft, a young quarterback and you're going to start him, by God, have some patience and understand he's a rookie. Okay, rookies aren't perfect. Rookies, again, not many rookies are Joe Montana or John Elway or Marino uh, or Manning or Brady or Drew Brees. Those are rare birds, those quarterbacks. So you can't just bring the rookie in and then treat him like, well, treat him like a rookie. You made mistakes. Here, learn from him. Now, at a certain point, yeah, if they can't get the job done, they can't get the job done. But you have to have a little more patience. And that's why Anthony Richardson shouldn't play. He's not ready. He's going to be thrown in. He's going to be, and he's, then he's going to be judged harshly. Then he's going to be called by all the sports experts, the loud gum-flapping idiots, who all, all these sports talk shows, 
who for some reason seem to think the volume of their voice indicates that they're right or wrong. And the louder and more obnoxious and shrill they are, the better point they've made somehow. I don't get that. They'll cheer it. Oh, yeah, he's failure. Can't do it. Well, maybe he can, maybe he can't. You have to give somebody a reasonable chance. And right now, the NFL is just not very reasonable, my friends. I am afraid. Now, what else sports-related? Let me see here. Had some great games, two great games yesterday. I am very glad TCU won. I don't have nothing against Michigan, nothing against Jim Harbaugh. But one thing about the game I didn't like, you had excitement, you had uh, lead changes, had so many big moments, so many great plays. It was good to see TCU win. But when uh, Michigan was down, what, 14-3, to I think, they threw a long touchdown pass, and the receiver caught the ball. And you see on the replay, when he comes, his back's to the goal line, basically, and his butt hits the ground before the goal line. The ball's not across the, the plane of the goal, so it can't be a touchdown. He falls backwards into the end zone. They ruled it that he was down when he made contact with the ground. Well, if he did have possession of the ball at that point, they ruled that, they ruled him down, he was down. And the people, oh, they were going crazy on ESPN. I can't believe it, a terrible call. Everybody, why? When your butt hits the ground, you're down in college football, whether you're touched, whether you're not. You can fall backwards with a ball in your hand, and the ball can then cross the plane, but that ain't a touchdown. If you're going to bitch, moan, and whine, know the rules. Otherwise, shut up, get off TV, and let somebody who understands the rules do the games, okay? And I never, I've never seen, it was like, it was unanimous, terrible call, terrible call, terrible, terrible, terrible. I've seen a lot worse calls in, in just as big a games. So relax actually watch the play because I I agreed with them initially that it should be a touchdown, even though I was rooting for TCU, but it wasn't. Sorry. Rules are rules. Okay. Your feelings, they don't count. Now quit your whining. And again, congrats to TCU. Uh, the second game, I have to admit I was wrong. I thought Georgia would win easily. I thought they would walk out there and stomp a mud hole on Ohio State's elitist asses. You know what, Ohio State? I apologize. I undersold you. I did not appreciate how tough you were, how good you were. And I thought when things got a little rough for you, you'd go home and cry. But you didn't. You didn't go home and cry. You actually came back. Seemed to appear to almost a couple times have control of the game. It was a great one. And I'm glad Georgia won because I'm an SEC guy. Really undersold what Ohio State would do. Played a phenomenal game. So did Georgia. Good for them. Good for both teams. You can hold your head high, Ohio State and Michigan, who lost. And now we get TCU and Georgia. And so much of me wants TCU to win. So much. Being a Gators fan, of course, you hate the dogs. The dogs hate you. Unless you're playing in a bowl game. Then Georgia fans become Florida fans. Florida fans become Georgia fans. Tennessee fans become Bama fans. And Bama fans become Arkansas fans and vice versa. That's the way the SEC has always gone. 
a lot of people from other conferences say, why do you all root, root for each other when you play each other all year? We're like a family, dysfunctional family at times. But yeah, I don't like Tennessee. I don't like Texas A&M. But I root for them to win when they're playing bowl games or if it helps the Gators in the regular season or when they're playing out of conference during the regular season. Of course, I root for them. They're part of the family. We hate each other, but we stick together. That's just the way it is. I think it's a great thing. I just cannot see TCU beating Georgia. I can't see it, but you know what? If there's one team out there, I would head, I would not want to bet on this game. TCU seems to have that, that magic dust sprinkled on them this year. And I'm, I'm happy for them. God bless you, TCU. God bless you. Dogs will win. Uh, it's a great, late, great comic role model of mine and writing role model. Louis Grizzard used to say, how about them dogs? Um, I think Louis Grizzard will be happy in heaven just like he was last year. God bless you and rest in peace, Mr. Grizzard. Now, there's not much to talk about except we've got the NFL playoffs coming up. And seven teams per conference make it. The 17-week season, yeah, this week and next week. Somehow the NFC South uh, is going to send a team. Right now the Bucks are in first place. They're seven and eight. And the six and nine teams below them, uh, New Orleans and uh, the uh, Panthers, they still have a shot to get into the playoffs. That boggles my mind. Also, the AFC South with seven and eight Jacksonville. The Jaguars were terrible for several seasons. Now they're rising up. They're a good team. You better be careful playing the Jaguars and their young quarterback. Uh, but it's just sad that you've got teams with those records making the playoffs. And right now in the NFC, great example, if the Bucks win the NFC South, let's say they won their final two games, finish 9-8, and eight, if they play the Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs, uh, the Cowboys could be 13-4 and four in a playoff game. I don't care if you won your division or didn't. A 9-8 team who lost to the 13-4 team should never have a home game in the playoffs against that 13-4 team. Records should matter more. Okay, you win your division, you get in the playoffs, that's great. But I'm sorry. If you've got a worse record than somebody, you ought to go to their stadium and play them there. One more thing I want to get to real quick. Everyone keeps talking about how, how the Packers... If they can get into the playoffs, they're a dangerous team. Yes, they have Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. He's incredible to watch. Uh, but let's face it, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers won the Super Bowl following the 2010 season. What have they done since then? Let me see. They lost to Tampa Bay a couple years ago in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. They lost last year in the divisional round to the Niners at Lambeau Field. They were taken out by the Giants in 2011 after they won the Super Bowl. They had a 15-1 and regular season record again, beat by the Giants. In the playoffs at Lambeau Field, the Packers have underperformed, 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 underperformed in the playoffs time and time again. And yet, the homers still keep, oh, if they just get in the playoffs. No, it ain't going to happen. I don't know if they'll get in the playoffs or not, but that is not going to be NFC champions. 
I'll tell you what, the Eagles, they're for real. My question about the Eagles now, uh, this week their their quarterback, another Alabama kid, he's uh he's not playing again. Second straight week he hasn't played. And I like that the kid's successful because he kind of got pushed out of the way by two at Alabama, ended up transferring to Oklahoma. But man, I don't know about taking your quarterback out the final two, three weeks, and then can you just plug him back in when the playoffs start? That's the thing for the Eagles. Now, I hate the Eagles. I hope they lose, but that's something I would be very wary of doing, just unplugging your starter and just plugging back in. I don't I don't believe in laying off necessarily. So that's the problem for them. The, the Cowboys certainly can win the Super Bowl, just like the Eagles can, but you have to, you have to, if they get their defense and their offense both playing well at one time, we've seen that a few times this year, and it's scary. They could win. So could the Vikings. Vikings win a ton of playoff games, a ton of our playoff quality games, I should say, close games, and they still keep winning. And you can't discount them. You can't discount the Niners with that great defense, even though they may have quarterback issues themselves. That's a tough call. But I think one of those four teams will win the NFC. I hope it's the Cowboys. I'll be honest. I don't think the Bucks or anybody from the NFC South can get there. Not, not even if they buy a ticket. They may be refused entry. Um, but that's what I see in the NFC. Again, I hope it's the Cowboys. I think, I think it will be the Vikings. And as far as the AFC goes, well, before that, let me say I didn't, I failed to mention the name of Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback. I forgot that part. And the kids went overlooked enough in his career. Good job this year, Jalen Hurts. I wish he played for a team I liked. So I just, I just love the Eagles. Always have the Eagles, the Niners, hate those two teams. And the Patriots as well. Um, that's probably not going to change. But the AFC team, who's going to win the AFC? I told you the four teams in NFC that are the best should be one of those. I think it will be the, the Vikings. But I want to say in the AFC, you've got the Chiefs, you've got the Bills, and you got the Bengals. Bengals were AFC champs last year, should have won the Super Bowl. Thanks a lot, Rest, for screwing that game up. The referees let every penalty in the world go by for 55 minutes and then decided they were going to throw a flag every play on the Rams' last drive when they took the lead. Huh. You know what? You know what diminishes integrity of a sports league? Yeah, that right there. Uh, but you've got the Bengals who are looking really good. They have the talent to get there. The, Joe Burrow, this quarterback. That kid has some. He's got a major set on him. I'll put it that way. <laughs> he's not lacking in that department, and he's not back, uh, lacking in the ability to back it up. Kansas City, of course, which won the NFC the two years before that, have been the four straight AFC championships, and they did win a Super Bowl with uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, who I don't know what the kid's going to come up with next. He'll probably find a way to throw with his feet or something. But incredible talent. Uh, love to watch him play. Uh, they're there. You can't count them out. You certainly, the Ravens are yeah, they're 10 and 5. I don't know. They may catch fire, but I think the Bengals have the edge over them and Kansas City as well. But the team I think will make the Super Bowl from the AFC, I think it's 
if they play their best, is Buffalo. Buffalo got screwed in overtime what uh, last year, I guess it was, and the NFL still couldn't get their overtime rules correct. I don't understand this phenomenon. You have a problem. Your fans say, hey, we want both teams to get at least one possession in overtime, at least in the playoffs. Can we please get that? The NFL says, no problem. Guarantee you each team will get one offensive possession at least. Then some idiot spoke up and said, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't think that's it. No. If you score first, you ought to win the game if it's a touchdown. Why does not say we're not changing the rules? Screw the fans. And I love this argument they come up with. Well, you know, if you don't win the coin toss, feel free to stop the other team from scoring. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, how about this, genius? How about if you win the coin toss, go down, score a touchdown, why don't you then don't let the other team score? It is as basic as it gets. Major League Baseball, after nine innings, they go to the top of the 10th. Then after that team's done, they go to the bottom of the 10th. Then the top of the 11th, if necessary, both teams getting that bat. Hockey, they have a special period in the, in the NHL. It's five minutes, uh, four on four hockey, and then they go to a shootout. Three men on each team get into a shootout. Uh, college basketball has rules. The NBA has rules. Everyone has rules that guarantee both teams equal opportunity to score. And yet, the NFL can't manage to do it. They just can't manage to do it. They re- it's amazing to me. And it's amazing that these people are still, well, feel free to stop them. What in that? The point is the fans have expressed an overwhelming desire for something. Listen to your fans, NFL. Listen to your fans. Period. It's not hard. So that's something the NFL should really do. And I always have hated this. At any type of work, you go into a meeting, there's a problem, there's an issue. Someone offers a solution that you hear and you go, wow, why didn't I think of that? That's great. And you're thinking to yourself, well, that should be that. Well, I don't know. What if, uh, what if this happens or what if that happens? Again, you always have contingencies. That's part of life. But uh, why can't we just do something smart for a change? Why can't we just go with a commonsensical approach, right? I've always, always, always tried to do that. It, it's something that was drilled into my head. What's the most logical solution to the problem? And you'll be amazed how many times I've had a problem, can't get something to work right, can't get something to go together, can't assemble the, and I'm thinking, then I just look at the, the picture on the box or use common sense and say, wait a minute. This has to go here, and I can go from there. I wonder how many people can do that today. It's almost as if they get all the smartest people in the room, and they come up with the most absurd arguments you've ever heard in your life. You're going, what sense does that make? What difference does that make? How does that have anything to do with the problem we're trying to tackle? Maybe that's just me, but I'm sure you've you've experienced that at work or, or you know, something like that. 
like, what did I ha- happen the other day? Uh, I went to pick something up and asked for a receipt. It was at Lowe's. I bought a, a portable heater at Lowe's. Went to pick it up. And there was some mix up with the receipt. And there was a big hassle to get one. I said, you know what? Don't, don't, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And they made a big deal over it. It took way too long. I was kind of in a hurry. And it's like, can't, can't the manager in that situation just say, you don't, you don't need it? Oh, here, here, you know, if you need it, you come back. I'll look it up for you. But you obviously want to go, let it go. Just let it go. Not that big a deal. Not that big a deal. But the small things get uh, get made big things of these days, if I said that correctly. it's They get stuck on little things. Typically, these little minds get stuck on little things, and they never quite get over that. It's like they obsess over the littlest things, and you're just... After about five minutes, you start getting the headache, right? You start getting exasperated because it's not that big a deal. It's just not. Don't be a Karen. Don't be a Karen. And by the way, regarding Karens and the male counterpart, which is what Todd or or Whitmore... (laughs) Whitmore, don't do that, son. I've never understood this, that uh, the the fussiest people are the littlest things. That's kind of your Karen, like Senator Warren. She's mega super Karen. But it's always, if you read The Root or The Griot, which are two websites that really are there to be black news and black culture and but really they they serve as left-wing agitators for the most part you see racism everywhere there was a story about a couple in houston texas in the houston texas area and there was a nice park they went to and they went on walks there and it was a black couple and the the claim was from the lady that they had uh, on a tree prominent on a hike, the hiking trail there, the walk walkway really wasn't really nature trail, but there was a a, a slavery uh, auction post put up there, right, like a flyer of some sorts. And she's talking about how hateful it is, and they were, the city is going to investigate, and we're going to find out who did this. And I never saw it on any major news network. I didn't see it on any Houston papers or news news stations because I searched for it. Because when I read it, I said, this story's bullshit. And guess what? I still have it, and they still have the stories up. Uh, I know the root does. The griot may not. I don't know. But it it's one of these cases where you look and you go, that's not true. And that is a growing phenomenon with our media. It's the outrage. It's the fake hate crime. And one of my favorite things the left does, when you say, oh, why is this hate crime? It's, it never happened. It was fake. A person did it to themselves or did it to make it look like there was a hate crime. Why would you do that? If, if it's so bad, why would you have to make it up? 
and they say, well, that's why it's, it's so bad because it is so bad. That's why they do it because they see it so much. Eh? A problem is so pervasive that you have to invent a problem. The left, my friends, completely vacuous, ideologically, intellectually, there's no depth there. They're all bumper sticker mentality people now. For the purposes of virtue signaling, for the purposes of, of look at me-ism, the left just makes it up. Never forget that, and don't forget to call it out, as I just did to the root. And I'm sure they listen to this podcast, because basically they, they hate white folks out there. Racism's an ugly thing. Don't be ugly. We're all people. Okay? All people. That should be the liberal mantra. But it's not because there are no liberals anymore. It's just a bunch of angry, headline-seeking, self-pitying Marxist trolls. That's what the left is. And that's it for me, my friends. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Enjoy your Sunday watching football or whatever you watch. Happy New Year. I would say Merry Christmas. It's too late now. Sorry I didn't get you anything, but hey, I haven't seen any packages on my door from y'all, so there you go. God bless you. Take care. We'll talk to you very soon. Be good to yourselves, my friends. Again, Happy New Year.